0: And then hopefully Google notices the word divorce appears 10 times in the article and then says, this article must be about divorce and this article does point to this website that's about divorce. So therefore this is a very divorcey link to a divorcey website. We're going to move them up one step above the next competitor. You're listening to be that lawyer, life-changing strategies and resources for growing a successful law practice. Each episode, your host, author, and lawyer coach, Steve Fretzen, will take a deeper dive, helping you grow your law practice in less time with greater results. Now, here's your host, Steve Fretzen.
1: Well, welcome, everybody, to Be That Lawyer. I'm your host, Steve Fretzen. I just want to thank you for joining me today. My guest is uh, outstanding family attorney and superstar marketer, Russell Knight. Russell, how are you? Very good. Thank you for the accolades. <laughs> well, I'm I give the accolades, and then you have to actually step in and give more <laughs> I, of a more of a bio, more of a, a a background. So, if yeah, if you would jump into that, that'd be outstanding.
0: Sure. I uh, went to undergrad at Bradley University with a computer uh, systems degree. I'm not any good at computers, so I ended up leaving that and then jumped into law school in 2003. 2006, I graduated, and the economy was terrible and i went to work in a little law office in the west side of chicago and i noticed everybody who had cash in hand spoke spanish and so i decided to like teach myself spanish as an adult and if i knew how much work it took i would not have done it <laughs> but uh like 2 years later and like a month in mexico i could do it and i could answer the telephone in spanish and speak in spanish which is the hardest part and then i started my big idea was i was going to make spanish websites and I would get clients that way. And it kind of worked and it kind of didn't. So what usually happens to lawyers and any lawyers and is like whatever you're good at, you'll get more work that's similar to that. And so I started, I was willing to do divorce work and I liked it and I was getting good at it. So I got more and more divorce work. And then I found myself being a divorce lawyer, even though I had this idea of getting all these Spanish cases and doing a large Spanish language volume shop. And I certainly got a lot of great PI cases I referred out, and it was very lucrative and well worth it, but I ended up learning from these Spanish sites. Like I own Abogado de Chicago, which means Chicago's Lawyer in Spanish.com, and I was getting all this work, and so I thought, well, I could do this for my divorce website, and about three or four years ago, instead of just having the standard headshot and template, I decided to hire good photographers. And my thing, my idea was I was getting a lot of good reviews. And so I was going to say, if I had good reviews, the good looking website and really good content, I could probably not dominate, but I could get like a ton of work through just the website because I'm not much of a networking guy. So what I did was I hired the bulls photographer to do my photos, which I thought turned out phenomenal. I ended up soliciting from like 12 years of people that I represented to get reviews, and it's very difficult for a family law lawyer because people don't want to air their dirty laundry. Sure. And also on things like Yelp, they don't always advertise everyone's, every review that comes in. And then I started banging out articles on my website that would be like, can your spouse see your texts? Things I thought people would look at. And I ended up finding out a lot by experimenting. And I found out that if you write about something that is not general, like... A general example being, how does child support work in Illinois? But if you write something really strange, like how to deport your wife, or I signed a mahar, which is an Islamic prenuptial agreement, what do I do? That you will absolutely get clients from the strange questions because family law is so well researched that people will read the situation, will type in their problem, and you'll probably be the only person to answer their questions. And they will immediately make an appointment with you. And I've literally had people come in with the article printed out saying, like, I need you to do this for me, whether it's sealing their divorce, invalidating a prenup. Everyone wants to deport their wife. That's the biggest one. (laughs)
1: That's the hot ticket right now.
0: (laughs) Yeah, And you can't either. They still (laughs) could hire me. Um, But that's what I found out where I think was like the real secret sauce. It wasn't so much doing, and I was doing my own SEO, building backlinks, et cetera. But it wasn't as much... Being on the front page of Google as it was being on the front page of Google for very specific issues, which usually requires a well researched 1,200 to 2,000 word article, just like you would submit to the Illinois State Bar Association about an issue. And then people will read it. And if I will also cite the law, just like I would, because I'm basically teaching myself. And I've done that for the Chicago website. And I've done that for, I also have an office in Naples, Florida, and there's not hardly any competition online in Naples. And it was very easy, maybe like 100 articles, some pretty bare bones SEO. And then now I'm uh, the first listing for any private attorney, if you type in anything about Naples and divorce. So what I would recommend to people, it's like building a moat, because if you were willing to do enough content, no one else in America is going to write an article about whether a mahar is going to affect their Islamic divorce. So if you write that, there'll be no competition. No one else in America is going to write an article about how to include language about secondhand smoke in your parenting plan. It just won't happen. No one's going to sit down and do it. So if you're willing to do it, then someone sooner or later is going to read that. And then someone else is gonna, that person's going to say, well, this must be the guy because nobody else is doing it.
1: Sorry, is it, pre- is it preferred then to write an article like that for publication for a law journal or publication like that or to put on your personal website blog?
0: You can, you can do it. It gives you like uh, social value if you can show that it's been published someplace else. If you can publish it on some even remotely prestigious website, like I think I've published things for the Illinois State Bar Association, and then if a link comes back to your website – It works identical to how citations work in for lawyers where the Supreme Court of the United States is the number one citation. If you get a link from the newyorktimes.com, that's the number one citation. A advisory case that you cite from a different state that has nothing to do with you is the same thing as getting a link from a blog in china it's like it's nice but like does it move the needle probably not
1: right, right. so the value the value is lesser yeah.
0: yeah so one of the things i do do is i do volunteer essays to other websites Then most other websites are dying for content and the quality is probably not as the same as when i put it on my own website but it's still general questions. And you can find anywhere in the world, anything that's law related, if you write even slightly about something immigration related, then it becomes federal and they'll almost always publish it. And so I've done that countless times about uh, what happens to foreign property in a divorce. I've written that article maybe 10 times for other websites and then they point back to me and then hopefully Google notices the word divorce appears 10 times in the article. And then says this article must be about divorce. And this article does point to this website that's about divorce. So therefore, this is a very divorcey link to a divorcey website. And we're going to move them up one step above the next competitor.
1: Yeah. I mean, what I like what you're saying, Russell, is it's very tactical. This is something that's that's that someone could take action on tomorrow if they had the the chops to do it. I think the the point you're making yeah. is most attorneys are so wrapped up in the work and the weeds that they never consider how content when done, maybe weekly or m- more than that or whatever could really impact how they get found.
0: Well, if you're doing research, I don't think that you really have an excuse to do that because if, there's a, if you're doing research, you should be taking notes. If you're taking notes, you might as well turn it into an article. Yeah, Something that happens all the time is people say, oh, there's frozen embryos. It never ever goes to court because it's such a sticky situation. But then you look it up. How does this get decided? And then while you're looking it up, you cut and paste the citations and you flesh it out and I, you know an hour later you I mean, what would have been half an hour of normal research maybe an extra hour i have an article on top of that and it also forces you to do the research properly i think
1: and in some of the things that you've had to figure out whether it was the 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 opportunity to 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 work with you know to develop you know spanish websites or or to write content are there some hiccups or challenges that you had along the way that you could share so maybe people could avoid them?
0: Yeah. I would say that if you're going to do something, do it right. Like a, I had a great website in 2009 that looked so 2009. A website's like a car. You can tell what year it's from just yeah. by glancing at it. Sure. And so I just let rest it on my laurels. And then I would, uh, I did a couple of things where I dominated Abogado Chicago, those words, and I could have just kept doing it and instead I didn't. And now I definitely don't dominate that word because other people figured it out. So what I would say is whatever you're doing, you have to keep doing it. Like I was the only person on Yelp for about five years that did anything uh, that was soliciting reviews as a lawyer. And then in 2014, suddenly everyone started doing it. And then it didn't matter that I had 20 good reviews because there were another 30 guys with 20 good reviews too. So what I would say is to uh, just keep building on what you're doing and double down on whatever marketing. If you decide to do content marketing, I know a guy in Memphis, Tennessee, who's been doing it since 1996. He has 1,500 articles.
1: Wow. You,
0: you cannot type in a question about Tennessee divorce law that, where his thing won't pop up at the beginning of Google. So yeah. that would be my advice, but it's a lot of work
1: yeah I mean that's the that's the the challenge uh, that most attorneys are gonna you know push back is how am I supposed to you know put that kind of content out there? but the reality is that you know they either can do it themselves you can outsource it to a writer. I mean we just had Dan Gershenson, his his uh podcast launched today in early June, and this guy all he does is make people look good through the content the writing that he does so i I know it's it's probably best to do the research and write yourself if you can do it but is a backup? Is that is that something you've ever explored or, or thought about, or is um, having, writer? Yeah,
0: I would. I would. I do it for uh, off-site articles. Um, okay. To be honest, where I hire somebody because they're so desperate for content, and it also doesn't need to be state specific. Sure. So if they want, like, I use foreign property in a divorce because it doesn't really matter what the law is in your particular state because you're dealing with this foreign property. And the conclusion is usually the same is that you reserve it until a later date. So I will, I do hire people to do that. And then they solicit to other websites saying, Hey, would you like an article? And that's worth it because they find the person and they write the article and they do it for 100 to $200 an article. And if it was my time, it would be at least two hours for the same thing. So I, do recommend those services. I'm not sure if I would, for me, I like it. And it's, it's like doing a crossword puzzle. So I don't know if I would ever pay someone to write articles for my website. But
1: Yeah. Again, if you enjoy it, if it's it's like networking, I can't send someone out to network for me. If, if I enjoy yeah, right. it, I want to be the guy, yeah. you know, eventually talking with people. And by the way, um, I'm going to ask you offline who did your website. You don't have to share that on, online, sure. but I mean, I think it's great. And when I look at a website where I see great photography. I see calls to action, great content. I mean, you're writing a blog. I mean, there's a blog every day. So the content, yeah. yeah. So the, and and who else is doing that is the, the, right. So you're, you're definitely in a space of your own, but I think it's something that attorneys should, you know, consider maybe not trying to be you, but at least trying to be, you know, a a third of you or a fifth of you of what you're doing, because it's, it's clearly important to, to put it, put all that content out there.
0: Well, there's a gentleman by the name of Miles Mason, who's in Tennessee, and he did this. And then he found that he had so many articles that he gave it to a third party person and they turned it into a book. And then the book is like the divorce client's handbook. And that's what I'm trying to build towards for Illinois and Florida. And then he personally advertises the book in, uh, well, I don't know if he does does what he's told me, but I believe he advertises it. But uh, at any rate, the, the book is the ultimate authority. whether you're an expert or not, in my opinion. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So again, you know, content, you know, it's a lot of it is, it's reusable. So for example, I'm writing articles, I'm creating podcasts, clearly interviewing you, um, video, things like that. And, you know, to put an article in a publication, and then you can, you know, reuse that, repurpose that through maybe social media. So now you're, you're getting additional promotion because you're promoting that blog article or that published article, through social media have you have you had some good experience doing that i have
0: not done that i imagine that that is probably a good idea one of my ideas but i've occurred to me in this during this crisis is to send out articles to i have a lot of articles that are something in divorce like for example plastic surgery and divorce there's Something that can happen, and if you get plastic surgery too close to a divorce, where the law can kind of kick in, my idea would be to forward that article to uh, plastic surgeons. And, you know, okay. maybe it sticks in their back of their mind, or same thing with my frozen embryo article. Like, if you're doing something, you probably want to know how it interacts with whatever with div- divorce. It would just intrigue you, yeah. just the same way where something. That someone else does, it intrigues me how that affects divorce. So that's one thing I'm planning to do, but I haven't done it because I think everything's on standstill right now.
1: Yeah. But I think, I think now is sort of a great time, you know, and I'll just give from my, my own experience and what I do and what I'm working with my clients on is, you know, you write an article for the Chicago Daily Law Bulletin. Great. That article gets published. There's a link to their website. I'll repurpose it on my blog. So then I'm using it for social media. I can use it as another part of my newsletter. So I'm sending out a newsletter to all my existing, um, you know, contacts and let's say it's 3,000, 5,000, whatever. And so it's just, there's, you know, it's, it's the repurposing of content that I also like because then, you're getting the the most amount of of um, traction for the effort that you made in writing something.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, I do post it to Facebook and LinkedIn and yeah. Twitter. And I guess do people see it? I don't know. I I hope so.
1: Yeah, I mean they they do. And again, you know, then it's about building up a following in those systems and, and platforms, if you will. And then uh, the other thing that I I do is. Um, you know i'll i'll shoot off a you know a post to a, to some people that i'm you know clients and friends and stuff like that and say hey you know here's something to share you know with your audience be or your your social media audience because they might appreciate this article it's relevant to them and so they share it and then again it just builds so you might get instead of like let's say 300 views you can get 1500 views you know 10 comments and maybe five shares well that's going to give me a lot more traction on that article than I would have had if I had just, you know, posted it for, this is for me.
0: Yeah. Well, that's, I don't do that, but I really should. So.
1: Well, we can, we can chat offline and share best practices there. But um, the things that I want to ask you about that I know you do well, um, we've already talked about blogging. Well, let me ask about that. Are you being specific in your language in a blog to make sure that you're using think terms that will come up in for SEO search engine optimization to help, you know, is that just the question that you're answering or when you write a 1500 word article?
0: For the most part, I try to write for the reader. Everything I read though says that you really shouldn't do that. You are supposed to target a keyword, that that's how Google understands the world. So if it's plastic surgery and divorce, you wanna say plastic surgery 10 times, you wanna say divorce 10 times. You wanna have the words together if you can. You try to do your best to tell Google that this is what it's about. And then another thing you do is you link to an article that's almost identical to yours and that becomes a big clue to Google about what you're all about. Mm, So you're not a competitor, but somebody else maybe in another state is doing something similar.
1: Oh, that's a great tip. A great tip. Okay. And then um, I know you mentioned earlier about the Google reviews that that's something that you did many years ago, but how important is that for, for, let's say the, the solo and small firm player trying to get their name found on on Google somewhere?
0: Um, It's very important for Google Maps because it's one of the things that will put people at the top of Google Maps. If you're downtown Chicago, it's a bit of random to who gets on there. And Google tries to rotate people. But if you are in a smaller market, like I am in Naples as well, it's extremely easy to dominate Google Maps. You have to use real clients. I know some people don't. Because Google looks to knows where the people live that are reviewing you. And so if a guy in Bangalore, India, is reviewing you, Google's like, that's probably not real. But if a guy down the street is reviewing you, Google thinks that's golden. And it doesn't take a lot. I mean, does anyone, even if you had 100 reviews, would anyone read those? No. But if you have like four or five that are just really, where people really write out the value that you provided and their faces on it, then you're going to get referrals just because in divorce or criminal law or bankruptcy, nobody wants to air their dirty laundry. So if you can convince somebody to write a review and use their real identity, then you're going to have good feedback.
1: I've got a tip I'd like to share. And I don't know if this would would be effective for everybody, but I will share it that when I ask people to write reviews for me, I typically tend to coach them a little bit on what I'm looking for, because if they write a review and it says, Steve is great, I like Steve, yay Steve, right? Like that's not really gonna do much if somebody does decide they wanna read about me and what I do. So I tend to coach them a little bit, first get them to agree that they're that they're open to it. And then once they do, I said, do you mind if I give you a, a thought about it? And they say, sure, they'd actually appreciate it. And I use an acronym uh, I call the BAR, B-A-R, and it stands for before, after recommend or before, after results. So essentially saying, you know, before I worked with Steve, lackluster business development skills wasn't really, you know, all the things they told me before they hired me. Then they're crushing it. So I talk a little bit about after, you know, what happened since working with him, here's kind of what's gone down. And then what were the results? You know, I doubled my business or I highly recommend him and here's why. And so that just gives a little bit more of a of kind of a story in two or three sentences that someone could write versus again something that ends up becoming like nonsense about about the, in the recommendation. So just yeah, it just doesn't a mean tip. anything. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't mean anything. And I think people do do look at reviews. Maybe not a hundred, but I I mean I was just buying. Uh, uh, this is silly, but I you know I'm I'm, a, I'm I love new technology, and I was looking at that the purple cushion these uh, you know to maybe put on my office chair yeah. and I was looking at that and I'm like oh that's interesting but yeah I started reading you know, 11,000 now 11,000 reviews I mean how many of those are real and how many are not I don't know but I try to you know I try to read at least five to see if I think they're real but uh, you know I don't go to a restaurant a new restaurant without reading reviews and seeing their stars and yeah. um, so it's, it's what we've become it's just become a part of the culture and how we make decisions and how we decide to spend our time or money in in, in different places so I wanted to ask you if you had to recommend three things that any lawyer should be focusing on right now to build their brand, to get noticed, to get business, what would you say are kind of the top three that you'd recommend as far as ways to spend their time and energy to to grow business?
0: For time and energy, there's no doubt that writing articles about what you do and then having your voice come through. That will pay off. There's no doubt. It won't pay off right away. It might take a year to be honest. I had I had one article that I wrote and it took a year and now it dominates this one keyword and we get like a client a month from it. Wow. That's um, great. And so it just, it's really like rubbing a lamp and waiting for that genie. The other things that I would recommend to do is to look for something that nobody else is doing. I had such great results with Yelp for a five-year period because I was the only divorce lawyer doing it. Now other people are doing it, which really proves that it works because other people started doing it. But there's other things that people aren't doing, like TikTok is huge right now. Every middle-aged woman is looking at people dancing on TikTok. I'm not sure how someone could use that in their marketing, but I would think that that is the next thing, specifically because other lawyers aren't doing it. I even looked yesterday, there's literally two divorce lawyers who have, they're non-paid, they're free free TikTok campaigns. So I would look for something people aren't doing. And then the third thing I would say is, it is so cheap to invest in your website if you find a private person to do it, not an agency. And that private person will usually have a little bit of an artistic bent and they will make sure that you look good. That's their whole job.
1: Yeah. And make sure you validate the marketing people that you work with. Like get them from a referral. A lot of the people that are just calling you randomly to sell you websites and and marketing, you know, there's a reason they're reaching out. You know, they're not getting referred enough. If they were getting referred enough, they wouldn't have to do outbound marketing in the same level. So true. Yeah. So true. So we definitely want to look at that. And then we'll kind of wrap up with, with this final little segment that I call things they never taught you in law school. So, you know, I hear this all the time, Steve. I never learned business development in law school, marketing in law school. What are some things that lawyers should be learning in law school that would that would help them so much more when they get into the into the real world of practicing law?
0: In law school, the professor will call on you when you are sitting there and not ready for it, and will ask you about a piece of law or a theory. And then you get really scared because there's a 50 other people in the class and the professor, and then you give some half-assed answer. This is no different than when the phone rings and someone calls you up and says, I have a problem. What should I do? You have to be prepared to say you should stay, take steps A, B, and C, and then results one, two, and three will happen at a moment's notice because the person that's calling, that's exactly what they want to hear. And they called other people and you know what they hear from other people They'll hear, oh, Mr. Jones can't make your call right now. Would you, would you like to schedule a call on Thursday? Well, no, they don't want it. They have a problem that's right now that's giving them anxiety. You have to be able to know enough about your sub, the subject matter where you know what to do. And if that means practicing 10 years, that's fine. If not, you can wax philosophical about what you do know about the law. Just pick up one of those hornbooks at the library and read it. We're lawyers. What we do for a living is we read and we communicate ideas it's all the same thing i'm talking about the content marketing it's the same thing about being on the telephone in the end it's the same thing as when you're talking in front of a judge you're taking a bunch of information and putting it in the best light possible in the briefest form possible so that it can be digested and someone can make a decision
1: yeah but i, I mean my takeaway from what you just said might be a little different i i'm thinking about having a really good way to do intake you know when someone calls you what do you what questions do you ask? How do you build rapport? How do you, you know, how do you get into a dialogue that's going to be, it's going to, you know, make them, you know, want to engage you. And then uh, the other thing you mentioned is responsive, you know, you know, being prepared to either pick up the phone or be prepared to have somebody pick up the phone and, and do that intake to make sure you don't lose somebody. Because, you know, we all have uh, attention spans of a flea at this point. So how fast someone responds and how things, how things move forward, you know, that's a big deal. Somebody who waits two days to call me back, they're done. Like they're out. That's true. Yeah. I'm out of it. So I get that. Well, listen, Russell, I want to thank you for being uh, such a great guest and for sharing such wonderful wisdom. It's clear that you're a top player in your space and, and from a marketing perspective, you've gone above and beyond. I think a, an attorney should be listening to this and, and maybe listening twice to, you know, get the takeaways that you're sharing because this is, this is absolute gold and it shouldn't be taken lightly
0: all right well i appreciate you
1: yeah well thank you anything anything that you'd like to promote or you want to share your website before we take off
0: i have two websites www.rdklegal.com and www.divorceattorneynaplesfl.com i think you should check it out to see you'll see the chicago one looks like 2020 and then the other one looks like 2018 2017 and you're like how dated is that it's pretty dated (laughs) and then you should look at your own website and you're probably surfing on the equivalent of an 82 chrysler
1: (laughs) i i i spent a lot of time looking at websites and it's from for i don't know if it's nine out of ten but it's some some massive number it's just brutal it's absolutely brutal and uh yours has every you know the calls to action and and the clickability and Everything is answering questions that I'm interested in learning. So, so that's really what people need to emulate. So, thanks again. And um, just uh, in wrapping up, uh, want to let everyone know that it's really important to continue to learn marketing, learn business development. You know, be a student of of the business. You're in the business of law. It's a business and you have to learn some things to make sure that you stay relevant in the space. And my goal is to help you with that and and to just be that lawyer, confident, organized, and a skilled rainmaker. Thanks everybody. Stay safe and be well. Thanks for listening to
0: Be That Lawyer, life-changing strategies and resources for growing a successful law practice. Visit Steve's website, fretson.com, for additional information and to stay up to date on the latest legal business development and marketing trends. For more information and important links about today's episode, check out today's show notes.